0: Well, if you're if you're like me, um, I'm 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 a motivate kind of a self motivating person. I like to develop goals. I'm enrolled in a couple of online courses that'll start January one. I've got some books that I want to read and some things I want to accomplish and some goals that i am set. I'm frustrated because there's a couple things that I didn't get done in 2017 that I want to get done in 2018. But, you know, I want to challenge you. I want to just encourage you that, that goals are, are, are a godly thing. Goals are a biblical thing. And if those goals are honoring God. Now, if, you, if you're setting goals of like, you know, uh, uh, that aren't honoring God, then no, they're, they're not going to be a good thing. But but if you can align your goals with the goals that are honoring God, it's going to be great, great days ahead for you in in 2018. In fact, you can take the model of Paul, the apostle, uh, who wrote more books of the New Testament than any other author, and and he writes it like this uh, over in, uh, I think I got it, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, I do not run without a goal... I fight like a boxer who's hitting something, not just the air. Not just shadow boxing with, I don't know what's going to happen today. Will us just go after it? No, 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 no. I'm not going to run without a goal. That's Paul. And maybe you find yourself leaning that, that direction. Or maybe you're here and you kind of feel more like, uh, more like Job. And in Job, in his despair and his frustration, he did not have a good year. And in Job's situation, he says in Job chapter 6, I don't have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. And whether you're on that spectrum of I'm ready to go and tackle 2018 or Man, I, I just want to get out of 2017, regardless of where you are, I, I want to I encourage you with some final thoughts today. In fact, uh, instead of setting a goal like Paul or setting a goal like, like uh, Job, uh, I, I want to give you my goal for today. The, my, my goal for uh, the, the last sermon I'm going to give to you in, in 2017, it comes out of a scripture. It's not just a personal goal that I'm setting, it's really a scripture I read this morning uh, in fact, it wasn't even part of what I wanted to share with you today, uh, but at about 5.30 this morning, uh, I felt like this Scripture kind of just found me today. And the Scripture is in Second Peter chapter 1, and here, here's what the Scripture says. And this is my goal for you and for me today. Because the stakes are so high, even though you're up to date on all this truth, all the Word of God, and practice it inside and out. See, Peter is talking to scattered Christians, Jews, Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, all across Asia Minor in these books, First and 2 Peter. And he's saying to Christians, Christ followers, I know you know all the truth. You've heard about it. We've taught you about it. You're following it. And you're practicing it inside and out. Now, that may be you, where you're practicing his truth inside, where you believe it to be true and you know it, and outside. But some of you, maybe, maybe it's neither. You're not practicing the truth inside and out. But maybe you know the truth, but you're not practicing it outwardly. He says, for those Christians, and, and I'm saying it to you as the same prayer and the same goal, because the stakes are high, we need to be practicing the truth inside and out. And he goes on to say, I'm not going to let up for a minute in calling you to attention Before it, before the the truth, before the word. This is the post to which I've been assigned, Peter says. Keeping you alert with frequent reminders and I'm sticking to it as long as I live. And I just want to say to you as as your pastor, you can get all kinds of strong, good, solid spiritual guidance out there Monday through Saturday. Incredible podcasts to listen to, books to read, preachers to listen to that are much better than me. But I want to say to you, I want to say to you this: as your pastor, whether I might be more of like a son figure or a grandson figure to you, maybe I'm like a little brother or an older brother in comparison to age. Maybe for some of you, I am like a a a dad. Um, I know I'm not a granddad or a you know a great grandfather to 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 anybody in here. So depending on your age and your spectrum, we may relate a little differently. But it just as your pastor, regardless of age, regardless of how we connect, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And I'm believing that whether you are here for the first time or, or you've been here for decades, I believe in God's best for you. I, I'm called as long as I live to get to this post, which I've been assigned And I don't know how long God will have Janet and I as your pastors. I hope for a long, 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 long time. I hope that someday I kind of come in like this and like, Pastor Jeremy, you gotta let it go. I got one more in me. I got a funny joke I wanna tell. You know. Where was I? What did I say? I forgot my teeth in the back, you know. Regardless, I just want you to know that that I believe in you, the body of Christ. And, and, and as long as I'm here as your pastor, you need to know that you can hear a lot of podcasts and you can hear a lot of sermons, but your pastor loves you and believes in you and wants you to succeed and wants to see your kids love Jesus and wants to see your grandkids love Jesus and your wayward child come back to Jesus is why we do what we do so people can find and follow Jesus. And so with this, I thought that it would be healthy, that whether you've been here all year or not, in fact, some of you are new to the church, you've not been here all year, you've, you've come and been part of Timber Creek since, you know, maybe summertime, or, and some of you have been here a lot longer than just one year, but I thought it would be good to keep you alert with frequent reminders of some stuff we've talked about, because truth be told, some of you don't remember, you were here Christmas Eve services, you don't even remember what I preached on, you know, you, you, you don't remember two weeks ago. I don't remember two weeks ago. So I thought, let's, let's back it up, and I want to give you just a couple of key scriptures. I say a couple. It's more like ten. Ten key scriptures and some key ideas that we have addressed over the last 365 days at Timber Creek Church. We started the year with a series, with a controversial series because there was an eight ball on it called Ask It. Because you know, when I was a kid, we didn't even go down the aisle at Walmart that had the eight ball. You know, uh, so it was evil. But 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 really, it's just a piece, you know, a piece of, of toy equipment with water in it. But but uh, you'd ask the eight ball, you know, are the Cowboys going to make it in the playoffs? Absolutely not. And and uh, you know he did. Uh, and we talked about we talked about. What is the most important question you could ask? And our key scripture in that series was, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as what? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. If you want to waste your life, guess what Jesus will let you do? Waste it. He's not going to twist your arms. So you can live as unwise. You can live as unwise as you want to live. In fact, just because you're getting older doesn't mean you're getting wiser. Wisdom does come with age, but sometimes age comes all by itself. And you got some old, not wise people. And then you also have some young people who want to commit to the Lord, and God gives them supernatural wisdom. But we don't need to be living, we got to be careful, not as unwise, but as wise. And we made this this key thought that culture says, Be yourself. Whatever feels good, whatever your truth is, just be yourself. But wisdom says, Push beyond yourself. Yeah, I know culture says be yourself, and that's the way you feel, and that's the way you act, and that's your attraction, and that's your thought, and that's your predisposition, and that's your M.O. I'm saying, wisdom says push beyond yourself. So the question we have to ask ourselves to remind you, just to remind you before we go into 2018, what's the wise thing to do? When it comes to your relationships, to your past circumstances, your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do in your relationships, your finances, your your, your heart, your choices? What's the wise thing to do? Best question you could be asking. From there, we launched our largest stewardship campaign that we've ever had in the history of our church, where we talked about all of us going all in and that God was asking us this. God was asking us, would you cultivate a yes, God heart? and live a yes, God life, and leave a yes, God legacy. All kinds of people are going to leave a legacy. In fact, every single one of you, 100% of you, will leave a legacy. Whether it's God-honoring or not is up to you. And we talked about what would it look like if we all went all in and trusted that God was going to build his legacy of kingdom through us and through this local church. And we had big goals and we received finances, not just to have finances in the bank, but to receive finances to do the work of the ministry. Big ticket items and big grand visions that honestly will fail Until God shows up. When God shows up in the middle of it, it'll it'll survive. But we have such big vision here at Timber Creek Church that if God doesn't show up, it's just going to fall flat. We need God to show up, and God did show up, and through the commitments of uh, faithful people going from, you made two-year commitments to move from just a potential giver to someone who was going to become a consistent giver and someone who's going to be a tither who gives 10% of their income and someone to step beyond that and all kinds of families and all kinds of walk, all kinds of life, all kinds of financial differences. We all said, hey, let's do our part and trust God. For the rest, and God was so good to us in that campaign and still continues. And today is one of those final offerings of 2017 where we continue to be faithful with those commitments. We jumped right from all in into our Easter services, had fantastic Easter experiences, uh, several different services, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in English and in Spanish. And, and the, the key thought came from this scripture in 1 Peter. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of, Christ, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. See, Jesus came and suffered and lived a real life so that when you say, he doesn't know what I'm going through. He's just a guy. He don't care. He actually went through everything. So you, when you say, he doesn't even understand, you say, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I know more than you think I do. I've suffered Everything. And also showed us how to live the life step by step. Doesn't leave us to figure it out. He shows us through his word step by step approach to living the life. And the key idea of Easter was the resurrection of Jesus. The power of the resurrection provides the power to close the gap between the life I'm living and the life I could live. And if we really lean into who Jesus is and what he has for us, we can live that life that he's called us to. And we went right from Easter into another very spiritual sounding series called Stupid. And in the series, the three weeks of series called Stupid, the key scripture was, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is, yeah, it's right there. You ought to read the Bible. You ought to read it. It's pretty cool. Like whoever is stupid. And the key thought was, life is better when you don't hurt yourself, It's it's like like I've said before, you know, the famous last words of a redneck. See, at Christmas, I talked about three simple words that could radically change your life, how quickly your word could change with three simple words, God with us, Jesus heal me, Jesus guide me, Jesus comfort me. But the three simple words of a redneck that that always get him into trouble, hey, watch this, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Life is better when you don't hurt yourself, you know. And we talked about blame, that blame, you'll, you hurt yourself when you blame others. Blame affixes a problem instead of fixing the problem. Pride prevents progress. And friends are a make or break reality. Friendship becomes the back burner in a lot of today's day and age. And we, we associate Facebook and friendships on Facebook as the same as the face-to-face concern and candor and constancy Friends are a make or break. Don't be stupid and live life with the wrong friends. We went from stupid into a series from Mother's Day to Father's Day where I brought in my mom and my dad and mentors uh, people giants of the faith and we called it running with the giants and the idea was that we would run with perseverance run with perseverance the race marked out for us and from Joseph to Jonah from Deborah to Mary these larger than life characters real characters in the word of God what we could learn by them sh- cheering us on from the grandstands as we run our own race. In the summertime, I always like to do a more dedicated series to just one scripture or to a book in the Bible. And we kept this scripture uh, in juice. We talked about this scripture all summer, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we talked about the fruit of the spirit there in Galatians chapter five. And, and, And the key idea was this, there's a big difference between a morally good heart and a supernaturally changed heart. See, many people are trying to live their lives with moral restraint. They bite their bottom lip, they squint their eye, and and they try really, really hard to live the good Christian life. I'm trying hard, Pastor, I'm trying really hard. But if we're just trying and we're not working from a supernaturally changed heart, you're gonna try until you're blue in the face and you're gonna fail, and I'm gonna fail. It's not enough, you don't have enough willpower to not gratify the desires of the flesh. You need to walk by the Spirit. And I gave this illustration where I had a a Nerf ball, a Nerf ball that when you squeeze it, it crunches down, but when you let go of it, it pops right back to the normal. And I squeezed that Nerf ball and I I said it like this. You can try and live your life changed by your own power, but when you get tired or when you get distracted or when your hands are doing something else, your, your, your life can pop right back to like, why am I doing the same thing? Why am I still dealing with this? Why, am, why have I not changed? It's because you're trying to do it by biting your bottom lip. And Jesus shows us through the word that, that it's, from the, it's from the inside of the bark that we produce the good fruit. And so the scripture says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And my commands are not burdensome. But a lot of people have it backwards. And they think, if I obey his commands, I'll learn to love him. But, man, his commands are hard. And if you're taking it from that standpoint where you're just trying to do the right thing and, and, and keep your nose clean, if you're just trying to obey God without loving God, you're not, it's going to be too burdensome for you. But if you'll start by just loving him, all of a sudden his commands, they lose that burdensome feel. And they become a joy to follow him because we're doing it out of a supernaturally changed heart and not moral restraint. You follow me so far? We're already halfway through the year. It's amazing. <laughs> then when we started up the new school year in end of August, we gave a two, little, little two-week series called How to Move. And I gave you this thought. I gave you the thought of you were made for more. And I blew some of your minds theologically and spiritually, not by something spiritual, but by this picture of a ketchup little cup. Because I showed you that at McDonald's you get these white little ketchup cups and you can, if you pull on the sides, they are designed to become twice the size. And actually you can put twice the amount of ketchup in those if you just pull on. They were made for more and you are made, bless God, like a ketchup cup. (laughs) You're, you're, You're designed for more. And some of you are living with just enough. Just enough. And you're getting by, and you're made for more. And the the idea was from 1 Peter, do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't want more and more of God's kindness and peace? No, I'm good. I don't don't need any more. Then you got to learn to know Him better and better. you got to learn to know Him better and better, and you'll see it. Because I believe that there is God's kindness and God's peace all around you, but you're unaware of it. Because if you don't know Him better and better, you're blind to where he's moving and what he's saying. He could be saying something very simple through the words of a, cash register, a, cash, a cashier at the cash register at the gas station. And if, and if we're knowing him better and better, we pick up on those little signals. The radar goes, beep, and, and you can kind of catch it. For as you know him better, he'll give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life life and it was during that how to move that we talked about our reveal survey we did a a church-wide reveal survey and we had several hundred people involved in taking this this 15-20 minute survey that was about spiritual growth and what we learned from that survey just an aggregate number but basically we got a pulse and might I tell you that the people that designed the the reveal survey they called us and said your church is such a strong church you have ranked out of thousands of churches that have taken this test, one of our very strongest churches. Wow, good old Lufkin, Texas Timber Creek Church. Let, let's praise God for that. Let's praise God for that. That's pretty cool. He said you're what we call a vibrant church. Well, I don't know about that because I mean I I got issues. Don't mean we got it. Don't got issues. Hello. Don't mean we got stuff we got to improve and stuff we got to change stuff we got to kill. You know, uh, I love a sacred cow now and then. We just put it on the grill. You know, just cook it right up. But but. But here's what the aggregate told us. Here's what the results showed us. That in the church, in our, in our, in our adults, that there are four continuums, four processes or journeys that we're, we're on. And we move from exploring Christ into growing in Christ. And a lot of people get stuck in just growing in Christ. And they never really experience closeness to Christ. They're growing in knowledge and growing in service, but, but as far as a closeness to Christ, they, 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 they don't quite get there. And We want to help people take that journey, but really where we all want to end up is Christ-centeredness. So as you measure drawing close to God, really the, the, the pinnacle is I'm giving my life away for the Lord. I trust him in everything. He is not part of the kitten caboodle. He is not a piece of the pie. He is the pie, everybody. He's not just the pie. He is like the pie factory. And he's every, everything comes out of Jesus. So we saw that 11% of our congregation is kicking the tires on church and kicking the tires on Jesus. I love that. I love that. That means that we're reaching people that are in church that need to find and follow Jesus. That's awesome. Love it. And then those that are growing in Christ, 38%. People that are closer, 27. and Christ centered, 24. Now here's what I'm going to show you. This line right here. I want to say to you that those that you would, would consider yourself close and Christ-centered, one of the best things you can do to continue to grow in Christ is that you would invite people on the journey with you. Another class, another Greek word, another this or that is not, never going to replicate or take the place of you as a disciple discipling someone else. That's the greatest place because Christ-centeredness means I'm bringing others along in the journey. And if you are considering yourself Christ-centered but you're not bringing anyone along the journey, you're not really as Christ-centered as you think you are. That's the truth. It's the truth. It's a hard truth, but it's the truth. And so, we, through this survey, we started Grow Track One. We're starting Grow Track Two. There's an experience starting on Sunday nights in, um, in the end of January, along with all of our groups. One of our bigger groups, Encounter Experience. And Encounter is going to be about really diving into experiencing Jesus and, and, and dealing with the hangups and the habits and, and some stuff that, that keep us from really experiencing all God has for us. Those things are coming out of these results and out of the the time of prayer that we've had. So that's how to move. And from how to move, we talk about how to neighbor. Because if you're just talking about moving and you're not talking about neighboring, you're missing one of the two most important greatest commandments Jesus said. In fact, there were two great commandments. And we see Jesus talk about this with one of the teachers, one of of the lawyers there in in one of the conversations in Luke. And and the lawyer says, uh, Jesus asks him, well, what, what, what do you think are the most important things? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus responds this way, right, right. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you'll live. Not know it, not think about it, not contemplate it, not read it, not say it out loud, not hear about it in church. Do it. Do, do Activate it, do it, and you will live, live the kind of life that God's meant for you to live. And so we talked about as, as a neighbor, we've got to be a church not just of knowing it, but doing it. Not just a church of do, not, We must be a church of doers, not just knowers. And I challenged everybody to embrace a grander vision for your life. To not just be about where you want to retire, or the house you want to build, or the stuff you want to have, or the, the kids you want to raise, or the grandkids you want to love and spoil. Embrace a grander vision living of, of catching people for Jesus, showing people who Jesus is. From there, we went into you asked for it, and that was based on a survey everybody did at Easter, and it was five weeks of different topics on what you asked for, from stress and the Holy Spirit to one night. We, we closed it out with a, with a sermon on Islam versus Christianity, the difference between Islam and, and, and Christ. And here's what, I, I, something funny happened. I got to tell you about this. Something funny happened. This was so coincidental, It's hilarious that while we were talking about Islam and Christianity, in little sprockets, which is like not nursery and not elementary, but like right there in the middle, right? Like four or five-year-olds, four or five-year-olds. They were doing a craft based on a scripture about don't be afraid, for I am with you. And, and what they did was they, had, they, they, they made this craft, and it was dark, and there was a star, and it was all this thing. And someone, someone texted me saying, It looks like the kids have been making ISIS flags in little sprockets. That's what it was. And if you look at the ISIS flag, it actually pretty pretty dang close. But it wasn't. It was just a coincidence. The Lord your God says to you, do not fear. I will help you. So I wanted to just set the record straight. No, in KidWorks at Timber Creek Church, we don't help our kids create ISIS flags. Okay? That's the church down the road. No, I'm kidding. It's not. From You Asked For It, we did At The Movies, and it was four weeks. And, man, our media team, I say media team, one person, Chris Simmons, did a fantastic job putting these videos together. And, listen, you may have been here and said, I didn't really get much out of that. I was, like, really shallow. Guess what? It was designed to not be theologically, you know, full-grown out of the forehead of God himself. It was meant to be attractional to people that you, as a neighbor could invite people to, and we had many, many guests and many, many salvations from that fun series looking at biblical truths through some of Hollywood's blockbusters. From at the movies into advantageous leading up to the four, year, four weeks uh, before Christmas and anticipation, Pastor Talia preached on preparing and, and chasing the right things, and don't spend your life chasing donkeys in the desert like Saul did, and, and have an anticipation of what's to come, and, and then I also talked about Waiting. Nobody likes to wait. Waiting is a tough character trait to build, and we're waiting from here to get to there, and our waiting usually doesn't look like this. What does it usually look like? Like that. That's what waiting looks like. Oh, we're almost there. No, we're not. And this whole whole sermon was kind of inspired by a note that I was given in July in my grandmother's handwriting from 1989, almost 30 years ago. She wrote a little scripture on a green piece of Post-it note And it's in my Bible even today, in Lamentations 3.26, it's good, it's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. If you're waiting, embrace the wait, because waiting equals becoming. Into gold frankincense and our good old Merle, surviving our families this holiday season, and the scripture that inspired this sermon series was 2 Timothy, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. You're like, oh, man, I forgot. (laughs) That's what we did at Christmas. You know, we exchanged gifts and we fought. (laughs) But a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with who? Difficult people. I know. It's in the Bible. (sighs) Bible, man, it'll get you. You got to be patient with them. And the idea was, out-of-control emotions will never produce God-honoring results. We celebrated an awesome Christmas together. As Pastor Talia mentioned, 3,300-plus people across our campus in our services. Over 100 decisions for Jesus Christ with the idea of how quickly the world could change if we just utter three simple words to him. And I said all that now, okay? I've gone through a year in review Just hitting hitting the high points. I said all that to say this. And for the next seven minutes, I want you to hear your pastor's heart. The average American will gather from verbal or just from hearing, from reading, looking on a billboard, watching television. The average American consumes 36,500,000 36,500,000 words every single year, according to the New York Times. 36,500,000 words that we consume. When it comes to 52 Sundays a year, with a 25 minute To thirty-minute sermon, (laughs) for those of you that actually know how long I preach, you know it's twice that. But but you know, uh, a fifty-minute sermon, fifty-two. Okay, whatever. Basically, fifty-two sermons come out to around three hundred and forty thousand words from this stage. Three hundred forty thousand. You hear thirty-six million five hundred thousand throughout the year, and from your church pastor and other guest speakers that fill those 52 weeks, you get about 340,000 words. Now, here's what's interesting. That 340,000 words, that is more words than you'll read in the entire Chronicles of Narnia. All seven books, there's more than, 340,000 is more than the words in the Chronicles of Narnia. So I'm kind of like a C.S. Lewis, everybody. It's just kind of cool. But when you consider twilight, it's only half of the twilight saga. So you got the bread of life on Sunday mornings, 52 Sundays a year. Or you got, you know, teenagers that turn into werewolves and vampires. And it's like, (laughs) which one? (laughs) Timber Creek sermons equate about .093%. Of the words you heard in 2017 L- less than less than 1% of the words and that's if you were here 52 weeks I wasn't even here 52 weeks and in some of the atmosphere was here on a couple I don't even know if Jesus was here all 52 weeks no I'm kidding he was here he was here so you just understand that that gets to be a way low number if you're a Christmas and Easter kind of person if you're a whenever i feel like it kind of guy or girl if you're a once a monther if maybe w- every 6 weeks and I, and i just want to say to you with all the love in my heart but concern as my first scripture said the stakes are so high the stakes are high the 340,000 words that are spoken from this stage every year will just be words that are like a cup of water poured into the ocean. Unless you take those words and you imply them to a heart that wants to know Jesus more deeply. If all you do is get words on a Sunday, they will disappear amongst Netflix and billboards. But if you will truly allow the Spirit of Jesus to teach you, guide you, build you up, these words, the .09, can be the catalyst for the other 99. They can be the, the, the life-changing words for the rest of the 99%. It can change the way you think and change the way you live and change the way you even speak your own words if you'll take... The message of Jesus, not just from this pastor because me giving it doesn't make it any better than any other pastor. It's just this is the church that if you're part of this, this is where you come every week to receive edification, encouragement, the body of Christ. We give glory to God and we encourage one another. And iron sharpens iron. Those words will get lost unless you are truly chasing after him. And you know, you know what the problem is with that? You know what the challenge is with, with that statement? I know a lot of us, we want that. Like, you want it. You, you want the words to mean something. You want the Spirit of God to apply and for you to truly know Jesus better and better and to, to make 2018 the better. And, and, and here's, here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. And we're right on it, everybody, in 2018. Here's the problem. You ready for it? I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. I'm gonna do it tomorrow. I'm gonna get around to it. I'm gonna get, I'll do that tomorrow. And even with resolutions and everything, we love 2018 and January 1 because it's such a clean slate moment that we're gonna start tomorrow. I will see half of you at Planet Fitness tomorrow. (laughs) Up until January 9th. And then it goes, I'll start tomorrow. And some of you, tomorrow was three days ago. And some of you, tomorrow was three years ago. So, tomorrow was five years ago. I'll start tomorrow. I'm going I'm to break it off tomorrow. I'm going I'm to stop. I'm going to stop doing that stupid habit tomorrow. And I love that January 1 gives us tomorrow beautifully. But the problem with tomorrow is tomorrow comes and goes, and unless we are committed right now, we'll just keep saying tomorrow. And you're not alone. That happens in Scripture where people aren't quite ready to commit and they, they ah, maybe tomorrow. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's this moment where um, uh, Moses is being called by God to lead the children of Israel, children of the Hebrew children, out of bondage underneath the heavy uh, hand of Pharaoh. And God gives Moses and Aaron these beautiful miracles and plagues, really, to to show Pharaoh God means business. And so these 10 real intense plagues from all the water in the Nile turns into blood. And locusts start swarming. And there's boils on everybody's body. You want to talk about uncomfortable. There's one plague. God sends a bunch of frogs. I mean, that's intense. All you hear throughout the night, Bud, wise, <laughs> no, but but you, for you younger kids, uh, <laughs> back in the day, wasn't it? All these ribbit, ribbit, and, and the Bible's clear. Like frogs are everywhere. They're not just in the street, you know. the, the chariots rolling down the streets. It's also in the shower. It's in the cabinets. Soup is, is boiling. a pot. Oh, frogs in the soup. You know, because they started in there and you just heated it up and they just stayed in there. You got frogs in in the underwear drawer. You got frogs in your underwear. Frogs are everywhere. And Pharaoh is so fed up with frogs that you read in Exodus chapter 8, this exchange with Moses. Incredible exchange. Here's what happens. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged the Pharaoh, the king of the land. Begged. Here's what he begs. Plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses comes back and says, okay, you set the time, Pharaoh. Tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials, and your people. Then you and your house will be rid of the frogs. And the next thing Pharaoh says is so shocking and so like, what? Because Pharaoh says, do it tomorrow. I wonder if Moses was about ready. He he, Moses says, Then you and your house will be rid of the frogs. And Moses turns because he's figuring that, that, that Mo, Pharaoh's already begging. He's going to say, Do it right now. God, I just pray. He goes, Do it tomorrow. He's like, What? You're going to sleep with the frogs? You're going to go another night with frog soup? You're going to go another, another evening with a walk out on the veranda with frogs jumping everywhere? And he says, Do it tomorrow. And unfortunately, I just want one more night, one more phone call, one more text, one more hotel room, one more pill, one more drink, one more look, one more word. I'll do it tomorrow. And I'm inviting you into 2018 to commit today, commit today. The stakes are too high for you to wait even till tomorrow to commit today. And what am I inviting you to commit to as, as, as the f- a follower of Jesus? I'm, a commi- I'm, I'm offering to you and I'm inviting you into a life that's committed to these two things in 2018. Number one, glad surrender. I'm inviting you to commit today that 2018 will be a life modeled by glad surrender. It's one thing to surrender. I give up, I give up, I give up. Okay, Jesus, you got me. But a glad surrender, it's it's like you go to a mom that's got four kids, you're like, hey, can I can I help you with something? Oh, thank you, thank you. You're like giving them your kids. I'm going to the mall. It's like a glad surrender, right? Now, now, somebody trying to take your kids off the playground, you ain't gonna let it happen. There ain't going to be no glad surrender. It's to the death, baby. You're getting your nunchucks out, right? But there's a glad surrender that takes place with Jesus, and I invite you to live a life of glad surrender, not only glad surrender, but trustful obedience. If we can get these two things right as followers of Jesus, whether you're a senior saint or you're a baby Christian, if you will surrender everything to him, And you will trust, trust in him and obey. It's one thing for my son to obey. I told him to clean his room three times and he kind of stomps in there and he's pushing stuff underneath the bed, you know, and all of a sudden the pillows are piled up because there's laundry underneath the pillows. He's obeying, but it's not with trustful obedience. It's out of frustrated obedience. And I'm asking you and, and saying to you, oh, your life would be so much different if you, if you engaged trustful obedience to the master in 2018. And do you know what the result would be? Can I tell you what the result would be? God encounters in your life. Because as I'm saying to you, listen close and lean in, because this is it, this is it. And we're gonna receive communion and receive our final offering. But hear me, church. There's no amount of words your pastor could ever preach There's no amount of scriptures you could ever read that actually would take the place of you personally encountering the presence of Jesus in your life. Because it's the presence of Jesus that activates the words. And if you will offer yourself with glad surrender and trustful obedience that he knows better, in fact, a little, little statement I heard the other I read the other day in a book. Obey God with everything and leave all the consequences to him. And if you can gladly surrender and trustfully obey and leave the consequences to him when it comes to what you'll have to say no to and what you'd have to walk away to and what you'd have to walk towards and what you'd have to fix and what you'd have to shift and what you'd have to avoid and what you'd have to say no to now, leave the consequences to him in 2018 and live a life of glad surrender and trustful obedience and you and I will see Jesus face to face. His presence can be known on this side of eternity for those that put their trust in him those that surrender to him.